Hi, this is Natalie Hoffman of FlyingFreeNow.com, and you're listening to the Flying Free Podcast, a support resource for women of faith looking for hope and healing from hidden emotional and spiritual abuse. Welcome to episode 116 of the Flying Free Podcast. I was just thinking about how much I love doing this podcast. I love it so, so, so much. I'm having so much fun with it. Um, I remember when I was in college, there was a student radio station and my friend and I would, ha- we were assigned, well, we wanted, you could volunteer to like be DJs for this radio station. It was a Christian college and the student radio station was a Christian radio station and we would play Christian music. But in between the songs, my friend and I got to talk on the radio and it was, it felt so real. I mean, it was a professional studio and it was all just super fun. And I loved it. And I feel like, I kind of feel like this is the closest I can get to being, but I never, I didn't go into communications or anything. I was in, into, uh, English education was my major, but my friend was in communications. So she, um, so it was kind of, she had to do a lot of volunteer for that as part of her degree. And I just kind of came along for the fun ride of it. But, um, I kind of feel like I'm doing that now with this podcast Back then, there were no such things as podcasts. It was just all radio. But now we can do this kind of thing in in our own... I can do this in my own home. I am in my basement. I record in my basement in a closet. And um, I like this so much better than video. For me, I don't really... I can do video now. I used to be like terrified of video. I can do that and I do it once in a while. But I much, much prefer the format of audio. I loved recording my book on audio, you know, on audible. I loved recording that. And I love doing this. I love listening to podcasts. I listen to multiple podcasts every day when I'm getting ready for the day. And when I'm, you know, whenever I'm doing anything that doesn't require my brain to, um, you know, to function, it requires your brain to function. Your brain needs to function if you're listening to a podcast too. But I mean, when I'm not having to create anything, um, or, attend to children and, and their issues. And I just can just like lean into listening to someone else talking. I love it. So anyway, I just want to thank you for being listeners of the flying free podcast and for making this podcast possible and for, um, just supporting it through listening and also supporting it through leaving reviews on Apple iTunes or is it called Apple? It's, I think it's just called I think it's just called Apple Podcasts, actually. Um, Leaving ratings and reviews over there. So many of you guys have taken me up on that request, and I love it. And it all that does is, besides make me feel happy and make me feel like, I'm going to keep doing this. They like what they're hearing. I feel like this is scratching an itch. Besides that, it also... Uh, causes Apple iTunes or whatever they're called to show the podcast to more people as an op- as an option. And I think that's great because we need to, I think this, the messages that are being communicated in this podcast are really, really important for Christian women to hear. Even if they're not in an abusive relationship, it's important that people become aware that emotional and spiritual abuse are a real thing and they are actually pretty prevalent in the Christian world today. So today we are going to be listening to and answering three listener questions. 
And after we're done, if you want to ask a question, you can. If you go to the podcast page, which is just um, on my website, flyingfreenow.com forward slash 116, that's the number of this episode, there's a little link there and where you can go and at, record your own question. You can record it on your phone or your laptop or whatever device you're using. It's just a little app that it takes you to. You press the play button and I think it will allow you to record a question that's up to one and a half minutes long. And then I will, I keep all of those questions. I put them in a file and then I go through once in a while and I'll record an episode like this one and I'll pull three questions out and I'll answer them. So we, this is something that we do in the flying free program as well. We have a Q and a every month. So this kind of gives you a little bit of a taste of what we do in the flying free sisterhood program as well. All right. So let's listen to our very first question. Natalie, my name is Rose Britton, and I was curious, you, you seem to do a lot on people uh, breaking up their marriages. I was wondering if you did anything on reconciliation or restoration for marriages. Okay, I just wanted to know. <laughs> you have a blessed day. Thank you. Okay, I love this question. This gives me, it, it really gave me a chance to think think through, you know, what I do. And I love that. Um, so here's, here were some of my thoughts. My work is with Christian women who are in emotionally and spiritually abusive marriages. That's my focus. Now I could choose to work with Christian women who are just married, who aren't in emotionally and spiritually abusive marriages if I wanted to, but my calling is specifically for women, Christian women or women of faith who are in these kinds of relationships, okay? Now, they may also be experiencing other types of abuse, like financial abuse, physical abuse, or sexual abuse. But for sure, the women that I work with are experiencing emotional and spiritual abuse. And by the way, those two types of abuse are always present. Uh, well, emotional abuse is always present in every other type of abuse, right? Um, so in other words, if you're being financially abused, you are also being emotionally abused. And then if you, if you and your partner are Christians or involved in a religion of some type, there's always going to be an element of spiritual abuse as well, because usually in an abusive relationship where there's an element of religion, the Bible or God is used to justify the abuse. Okay. So the question is, if I also help to restore marriages... And the answer to that is largely no. I don't do that kind of work because what I, the work I do is try to help women to get free from abuse. Now, I think it's important to define our terms here, okay? So when we talk about restoring a marriage, I think what comes to my mind is that there has to be something healthy that you want to, you know, something that was healthy that now you want to restore, so for example, if I have an antique desk that's been sitting in my garage for 50 years and I want to have it restored, that implies that there is something of value in that desk that I could possibly bring back to life with some work and some tender loving care. So we can restore the desk to its original beauty and luster. But... What if I have a large, ugly piece of leftover cement sitting in my backyard that was maybe left there from when the house was built and nobody's ever removed it? 
I'm not going to talk about restoring that chunk of cement. I wouldn't use that word. I wouldn't use that word restore to talk about that chunk of cement and any hope that I might have for it. And the reason is because that chunk of cement didn't have any value to begin with. It should have been hauled away to the dump after the building project was completed. So we're not going to restore something that doesn't have any value to begin with. Now, many Christians want to hang on to this idea that abusive marriages can be restored. Not only can they be restored, but they should be restored. And they, they hang on to this like, they're, like you would hang on to a chunk of garbage. They talk about restoring that abusive marriage, marriage as if that ab- abusive marriage has value. But abusive marriages don't have any value. Not only are they worthless, but they're actually destructive. So if we took our analogy a little bit further, we could say that hidden in the cement is a stick of dynamite. Now, some people think that it's good, or maybe a bomb or something. Maybe a a stick of dynamite, that doesn't really make any sense because you have to actually light it, right, before it detonates. But whatever, let's say a bomb. Now, some people think that it's good to keep a block of cement in the backyard and pretend that the bomb isn't there. That, so, do you see the analogy here? So I would be the kind of person who would call in the bomb squad and have the cement removed from the premises and thrown into the sea where it can detonate without injuring anyone. I'm not going to try to restore that piece of cement. Now, I want you to hear me very clearly, though, here. Just because I believe in removing cement blocks or abusive marriages in this case, doesn't mean that I am not about restoring antique desks. Quite the opposite. Because I value things that are truly valuable, this is why I believe in the importance of dismantling things or destroying things that are destructive. I believe that tolerating abuse in marriage actually prevents healthy marriages. In other words, focusing on cement blocks in backyards distracts us from restoring antique desks that need our help. Let me say this another way. I believe in restoring human lives, not, mar- not, not, not necessarily marriages. In an abusive marriage, there is one person begging for help to be loved and to be restored to wholeness. And then there's another person in, a, in that abusive marriage who's taking a hammer to the whole process. Now, it would be lovely if both parents were looking, to, or both parents, both parties were looking to be restored, but that is rarely the case. There is plenty of help for abusers in the church. This has been my experience, and I've seen this in literally hundreds of people's lives. Lots of help for abusers. They have all of the male church pastors and elders and leaders and everyone who buys into their paradigm walking with them to help them. On the other hand, there is very little help in churches for the most part for victims. And that is why I help them. I find it fascinating that the work that the church does with abusers reaps very little good fruit, while the work that I and other advocates do with victims on the outside, we are because we are on the outside of the camp. We're not allowed in the camp. 
So we do the work on the outside of the camp, and what we get to see is a hundred times a harvest of transformation, love, and freedom. And I like to think that it's because we are working to restore antique desks that have been neglected for decades, while the church chooses to play with rocks in the backyard. Let's listen to our next question. Hi, Natalie. Um, My question is, I I agree with everything you guys are talking about, you and uh, all the people you have on your program. It's just been so enlightening. My question is, where do I go to church now? And how can I find a Bible that really reflects the true message from the Lord? And of course, living in the spirit, I understand that. And I get that. I do that daily. I do, you know, I walk with him. Um, I walk with the Lord. But yeah, if if you could recommend a good uh, Bible, I mean, I'm enjoying my Bible now more than I did before, but and I do have a strong concordance, but where do I go to church now? You know, I haven't, I've been kind of going in and out of church and what do, I mean, you know, it's probably not under a name. I, I, there've been, there's been one in my life since I've been a Christian, uh, that I thought was pretty good, but it's, it's changed now. Where can we look for a church? Um, even if it's online, that coincides with with what the truth is? I think this is not going to be an easy question for me to answer as far as like specifically, you know, giving you specifics. Oh, I know the the perfect church for you. And I know the just the right Bible that you need to read. Um, I think this is a question that would be answered differently for different people. Because everyone listening to this podcast is at a different place on their faith journey. Some people are really happy with their church and the Bible that they're reading. Some people have left the church but love their Bible. Some have left church and no longer read the Bible, but they wish they had both back. Some never want to have anything to do with either of them ever again. Some have left their faith and come back with a new faith that is richer and deeper than the one that they had before. And you guys, there are a million variations of those places with a million different stops all along the way. Where you are today is not going to be where you land tomorrow, not if you're truly growing. So if I were to give you some specific recommendations of churches or Bible versions that I have found helpful, it would not actually be helpful. Someone might be, be resonate with those church styles, the leaders, the sermons, the music, the whatever, so, and some people would not. So I'm not going to do that. Honestly, I haven't found anything that I can really sink my teeth into yet myself. I don't go to church right now, and today I can say that I'm, I'm not sure I ever will to be honest. I might change my mind though. Who knows where God will lead me or what he's going to do in my life. I'm open to all the adventures, okay? But for now, this is where I am and I've made peace with it. In fact, I've not only made peace with it, but I love it. I love where I am right now. I feel connected to the church of Jesus Christ the global church in a more profound way than I have ever felt before. And I don't even go to a church building anymore where I, you know, sing three songs, listen to someone pray, and then listen to a sermon after which I enjoy a donut hole. I see the church as so much bigger than that. I hear profound truth in both secular and Christian music. 
I hear truth that renews my mind, changes my soul, and connects me to the Holy Spirit of God who is always present within me. But sometimes I don't always sense him because I'm often distracted by life or pain or false thinking. Uh, Worship for me is less like singing a verse of a song over and over 24 times in a row, and it's more like breathing while I stand at my window and watch some deer drinking at the pond behind my house or tucking my little boys into bed at night after a deliciously nerve-wracking chapter from the series of unfortunate events. Breathe in, breathe out, while I stroke their soft little heads and examine their beautiful, tired faces. Thank you, Creator God, for this creation of yours, a gift for me to enjoy. I fellowship a million times more now than I ever did before. I get to interact with my Christian sisters every day in my programs. We share our sorrows, our prayer needs, our joys and our victories, and everything in between. I never have to be afraid of being judged or kicked out. I never have to be afraid that a leader is going to come along and shame me for not doing what they would do if they were me. The Bible, let's talk about the Bible for a minute. The Bible is the Bible, okay? I know there's lots of, there's 500,000 different versions of it. But just setting all the versions aside, what we believe about the Bible in general is something that we need to each figure out for ourselves. Most of us believed what our churches taught us or maybe what our moms and dads taught us. And all of us were taught different things. So which ones of us were taught correctly? And are we ever going to know for sure I don't believe we can on this earth. I think it's fascinating that you can take one passage of scripture and there is so much Bible scholarship out there, which all differs just on that one passage. So who's right and who's wrong? I think this is kind of like the baby toddler stage of human development. In that stage of human development, there's right and wrong. There's yes and no. There's black and white. There's us and them. There's in and out. And over all of that, you've got a mommy or a daddy to tell you exactly what is what. There's a correlating spiritual development as well. To learn and grow, we are going to need to eventually get past that initial developmental stage and learn how to think for ourselves. Learn how to see nuance. Learn how to integrate what we learn with what we see and experience around us and be open to the fact that we might change our minds down the road because of new information that comes our way that we didn't have before. For me, I've chosen to look at lots of different teachings or interpretations of the Bible. I am no longer scared that if I look outside of my tradition that I grew up in, that I'm going to go to hell or dishonor God or become a heretic. I think that's just leftover propaganda talk designed to keep people in the infantile or toddler stage of development. And I say leftover because it's still in my head as kind of leftovers from what I grew up with. If God is love, you guys, then he loves you, period. And if he is powerful, then I'm pretty sure that he can handle my inquiry and my doubt and my wavering and my fickleness and my humanity. God is not like me. 
He is not like my pastors. He's not like my parents. He's not like my husband or any other human being on this earth. God is not in a box that I or anyone else has built for him. And there is there's more to God than we understand or know or can comprehend. And I believe there's also more to the Bible than we can know or comprehend. And when it comes to the Bible, I think there's also less to the Bible than we might think. Way more of God, to, the, to, to God than we might think and a little bit less to the Bible than we might think. And, and I, you know, you can call me a heretic for saying that, but I just, um, <laughs> this is just stuff I've been doing a lot of studying on and thinking about for a, a few years now. All of this is a beautiful mystery, I believe. It's supposed to be a mystery, you guys. We're not supposed to have all of the pieces of the puzzle. That's no fun. That's not what this life on earth is about. We were all given a few pieces and we get to have fun trying to put the puzzle together with the pieces that we've got. And someday God's going to give us all the pieces. But until then, we're going to have to live in that tension of knowing some things and not knowing other things. And we get to explore and play with this whole thing our whole lifetime. It's crazy amazing if you think about it. So if you're afraid of not getting it right, because I've had people say this, well, I want to get it right. I want to believe the truth. Well, don't we all? The problem is that we can't know the truth for sure. We can't know all of the truth for sure. God didn't give it all to us yet. So if we're afraid that we're not going to get it right or that we have to quick find the right church or the right Bible or the right answers so that we have, you know, so that we have some closure or so that we can move on and have a happy little life, then we are missing out on all of the adventure and the joy and the peace because that doesn't sound very peaceful to me to feel all this anxiety and panic that you have to have the right thing. The peace and the love of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Always remember that if there is fear inside of you, fear or panic or anxiety, then you're looking at the wrong thing because perfect love casts out fear. They will know we are Christians not by our church attendance, not by our Bible knowledge, or by how many times we read the Bible every day, or how much Bible that we read every day. We are no, we, they will know that we're Christians by our love. And the more that we are reveling in the love of God for us, the more that it's going to spill out over all of the people all around us. I believe that's what real Christianity is. I think the rest is just kind of an imitative, fraudulent type of Christianity. Would you like to be part of a small group of four to five women walking a journey together to discover what's going on in your marriage and maybe even your church and what you can do about it? We're putting together small groups for this summer that will be going through my book, Is It Me? Making Sense of Your Confusing Marriage, and the companion workbook. Small groups will meet once a week via Zoom or Google Hangouts or whatever meeting app the leader of that particular group chooses, and you'll be reading a chapter of the book and completing a chapter of the workbook prior to each two-hour meeting. You'll have a chance to share what you've learned and process the material in a loving community of women just like you. Groups are free and led by trained small group leaders. 
All you need to do is have a copy of the book, which comes in paperback, Kindle, or Audible formats on Amazon, and a copy of the companion workbook, also available on Amazon. To get more information and sign up, go to flyingfreenow.ck.page forward slash groups. That's flyingfreenow.c as in cat, k as in kitten, dot page forward slash groups. And you can sign up and get on the mailing list and we will send you more information about these groups and how you can be part of them. And now let's get back to our episode. Hi, Natalie. Um, I just have a question about Christian books. So are there any Christian books that um, you would recommend women who are in abusive marriages or relationships? Um, would you suggest those women stay away from during this um, if they're still in their abusive relationship? Because I know that there are Christian books that might perpetuate the idea of, you know, just lay down and take it as a Christian wife. Um, so I'm just curious to see if there are any study books um, pertaining to marriage that are unhelpful or can even be damaging to a woman in an abusive relationship. Thank you. So I don't really like to censor things. I like to teach people how to decide for themselves so that when they see or read something that doesn't align with their values or with the love of Jesus Christ that, I, that we just talked about with the prior question, that they can just see that for themselves and move on from it on their own without someone else telling them what they should read or shouldn't read. So as I've worked on my own healing and put some distance uh, time-wise between myself and the abuse that I experienced from my family of origin, as well as my first marriage, as well as the church abuse that I experienced, I've discovered that it's actually helpful to, to, to go through a process of phasing out that whole thing where you're looking at all of the things that were wrong. And then to eventually turn my focus to learning and growing and moving forward. So I do believe there is a time to look at all the bad stuff that we've swallowed so that we can stop swallowing it, right? I think that's important. But we, but people, human beings tend to take on or think about and become and do what they focus on. So we could be out of our abusive relationship, and a lot of people are. But they're still reading about abuse, they're still talking about abuse, they're ruminating about it, they're eating, drinking, sleeping it. And this has the potential to keep us stuck in the cycle of abuse in our brain, even though our body might be completely out of the situation. Also, I, I, I don't want to ever be a gatekeeper who says, you should read this and you better not read that or that's going to send you down a slippery slope. I'm not the boss of anybody. You get to read whatever you want to read. You're all adults. And I tend to respect your right to uh, decide for yourselves, okay? If you make choices that end up giving you bad results, well, that's part of your growth process, right? My job is to love and support you through that process, however it looks for you. I really don't believe anymore in humans playing the role of God in the lives of other humans. I actually find that to be a form of abuse. I did have a library full of Christian marriage books that encouraged me, actually, because I was in a, an abusive relationship, they encouraged me to stay in that kind of relationship and actually to embrace abuse as a way of life. Now, I've thrown all of those books away. 
I'm not saying that those books wouldn't be helpful for people who are in normal marriage relationships, but they don't work the same way if you are in an abusive relationship. It's kind of like, you know, let's put on some amazing, if you go back to that restoration project we were talking about, restoring a desk, something, maybe some um, cleaner that might be able to clean the desk before you actually put on a new coat of varnish or whatever. I guess I've never restored a desk, so I'm not really sure how you do it. But you, if you did that, you could put all of that stuff on a on the slab of cement in the backyard. You are definitely not going to get the same result. Okay. All right. I do have a list though of all of my current favorite books on the subjects of marriage, parenting, emotional abuse, spiritual abuse, trauma, um, what the Bible says about women and divorce. And you can access that list by going to my website, flyingfreenow.com forward slash my dash favorite dash books dash four dash survivors. <laughs> I, <laughs> you, you don't have to write that down, you guys. I'll provide a link in the show notes of this episode if that's easier. So it might be easier for you just to remember if you just go to flyingfreenow.com forward slash 116, which is the number of this episode, um, you will, I'll put a link to that resource, uh, that resource page for you. Okay. And I'll just throw out some of the ones that fall under the category of marriage. These, these are, and I, you know, I put them under the category of marriage because, but some of them aren't about marriage. They're just about building a healthy you. But you can't really have a healthy marriage if you're not a healthy you anyway. So um, one of the books that I have in that list is called Beyond Boundaries, Learning to Trust Again in Relationships. I think that's John Townsend. Um, Brene Brown's Daring Greatly, How the Courage to be Vulnerable Transforms the Way We Live, Love, Parent, and Lead. Another book that I have on there is uh, Getting Back Out There, Secrets to Successful Dating and Finding Real Love After the Big Breakup. I don't think that's a Christian one, but it's a good book. Um, another Brene Brown book that I love, The Gifts of Imperfection, Letting Go of Who You Think You're Supposed to Be and Embrace Who You Are. Another book, Hold Me Tight, Seven Conversations for a Lifetime of Love. And then the last two, I think, are two of my favorites, uh, both marriage books. One is called Mutual by Design, A Better Model of Christian Marriage. And then the last one, which is my number one, uh, The Seven Principles for Making Marriage Work, A Practical Guide from the country's, country's Foremost Relationship Expert, which is John Gottman. And that, I believe, is not... Actually, that's not a Christian... That doesn't come from a Christian perspective, but it is an amazing book. And I highly recommend that for um, for anybody who's contemplating getting married again. Now, if you are in an abusive relationship, you can read that book. And I think how that book will help you is it'll help you to see just how far, how far from a healthy relationship your relationship actually is, which, you know, is sad, but it's also helpful. Obviously, we can't change anything or make any kind of differences in our lives if we are living in denial or hiding or covering up what's real. We have to be able to face reality first. Um, that's it. That's all I have for you today. So thank you so much for listening. And until next time, fly free.